Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, it's Dan, and this is our Round 1 Reaction Podcast here on the Orange and Brown Talk Podcast. You're going to hear two parts. So in the first part, Mary Kay Cabot, Doug Marie, Scott Patsko, Ashley Bastock, and I talk about what we think the Browns should do on Friday night at number 44. Who should they target? Should they go get a receiver? Should they wait for an edge rusher to fall to them? We get into all of that in the first half of the podcast. Then in the second half of the podcast you're going to hear a replay of our live stream as we went live. I believe it was around pick 11, maybe pick 10. Uh, It was Mary Kay Cabot, Ashley Bastock, and I to start. And then Doug Maurice jumped on. Mary Kay Cabot jumped off. Uh, We reacted to Carolina not taking a quarterback and talked a lot of Baker Mayfield. We reacted to the Steelers taking Kenny Pickett instead of Malik Willis at number 20 overall. And we kind of walked through the draft, wrapping it up when the Ravens made the 25th pick. So that's what you're going to hear. Again, that's real-time reaction. So um, that was happening as we were sitting here watching the draft. That's in the second half. Uh, If you're not a Football Insider subscriber, please, please, please get subscribed because we've already had a newsletter go out directly to our subscribers regarding the draft. We've texted subscribers, and of course, we've had exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash browns that you had to be a Football Insider subscriber to read. So cleveland.com slash browns, the blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get signed up. Okay, here we go. Our predictions for Friday and our recap of Thursday coming up on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. And here we go on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast, reacting to the first round of the NFL draft, which the Browns, as we expected, did not participate in. So let's get to it here. Let's just look ahead to uh, to Friday, where the Browns are expected to go on the clock at number 44. And I want to know from each of you, uh, Doug, Ashley, Mary Kay, and Scott, what you think the Browns should do at 44. So Mary Kay. We'll start with you. What do the Browns need to do at number 44? Well, what they should do, what they need to do, it's all, uh, it all depends to them on who the best available player is. I really think they will do that, even though I would tend towards a receiver with the number 44 pick. I still think there are some good ones and will be some good ones left. There are plenty of good defensive players left as well. And so I wouldn't be surprised if they did something like that. I would probably end up uh, drafting Cincinnati's Alec Pierce. He would be high on my list. Uh, He's somebody that I've had my eye on for a while there. If he's still there at number 44, he's definitely somebody that I would take a strong look at there. Um, 
And then from a defensive standpoint, if uh, Arnold Ebicady is somebody that, that I've liked and um, I think, I think D'Angelo Malone is still out there um, and Logan Hall. So these are some of the guys that, uh, you know, that we've mentioned a lot that, that I think that they'll have their eye on too. Doug, what about you? Well, six receivers went in the first 18 picks, and it was like, oh, the receivers are hopping, and then no other receivers went. So that that was good news for the Browns, I thought. I think they have to look at who their next tier of receivers are and be ready to maybe jump if the second wave comes because there was a wave. Once you go 8, 10, 8, 10, 11, 12, 16, 18 for the receiver spot. So if you look at, George Pickens, Alec Pierce, John Mechie, Sky Moore, Christian Watson. Maybe those are the next five guys. I don't know. Maybe they don't like all five, but I'd be ready. It's what we talked about a lot in the war room. Like, I'd be ready to go if it's like, uh-oh, we like three and two just went in the first six picks of the second round. So I do agree with Mary Kay that the edges got pushed down a little bit, so there does seem to be some value still there. But I know best player available. Just the way things have fallen, it would surprise me if it's not edge or receiver because it does feel the one weird thing that's happened is that only one quarterback went in the first round, but the Browns don't need a quarterback anymore. <laughs> so if they want to take Desmond Ritter to be Deshaun Watson's backup for the next eight years at 44, I love Desmond Ritter. He's still there, but that's <laughs> not. A, can you imagine if they were in sort of this? iffy quarterback market if it was still baker but they didn't sign the extension okay they need a guy for the future holy moly they could have taken somebody at 13 and there'd be all these quarterbacks who lasted the second round we'd be talking about quarterbacks for 45 minutes right now but as it stands they don't need a quarterback and the quarterbacks are really who got pushed down which doesn't match up with the browns scott what are you doing tomorrow or I guess today when it, people are listening to this. Yeah. What time is it? Uh, <laughs> you know, I agree with a lot of what Doug said there. I think uh, it, it does bode well for the Browns that that run on wide receivers abruptly stopped um, at 18. Uh, so there are a lot of guys that, that we've talked about that, that came up during our mock draft that could be a possibility there, but th there's still 11 picks ahead of them and it could get interesting and they might be forced into a situation like we were where you're, you're seriously thinking about trading up to get a guy if you really like him. But I think over the past couple of days, I might've talked myself into the fact that they don't necessarily need a receiver. Cause I just, I mean, Deshaun Watson was so good in 2020 with a wide receiver group. That was just a lot of meh. I mean, it was, there really wasn't much there uh, to speak of. And he's the kind of quarterback that makes those players better. So, I mean, I'm looking at 44 and I, they could go any direction. I mean, I think they're in a really good position of being able to draft for depth here um, because they've done such a good job uh, building the last couple of years. Obviously they addressed quarterback this off season. So, I mean, if they go for receiver, if they go for edge, I, you know, whoever ends up higher on their board, great. Uh, but I don't look at this pick as they got to do this or they got to do that. Cause I think they're in a really good place with their roster. Ashley. Yeah, I think my thinking has gotten less. They need to take a wide receiver with this pick and they need to find the guy they like and they're probably going to have to trade up for him. Now, a guy that I like and George Pickens is still out there and I might seriously consider 
trading up to somewhere in the 30s so that you're ahead of the Bears or whatever if they really like him to get him. But like Doug said, considering how these edges fell, like I don't think anybody expected Jermaine Johnson to go as late as he did, right? Like there's still a lot of these really strong defensive players on the board. And when Andrew Barry talks about taking the best player available, that's when we might see that come into play. So I think I'm definitely like a little more open to this idea now and the wheels are turning a little bit more. You guys are killing me. You're <laughs> killing me. I don't know if you're tired. I don't, a lot of hemming and hawing and eh, whatever Andrew Barry wants to do. We're fine with it. Go, Andrew. You're the best GM. Well, here's football. the thing. Like, no, you <laughs> go yeah, get a go get a receiver. I said you should go get, you still should trade. If they really like George Pickens, they need to go up and get him, I think. I, he's not sticking around to 44. I don't think when, even when, with these reports, the, the report in The Athletic about his maturity or whatever it said, even with that out there, I don't think he's sticking around till 44. When, when we're sitting there in the press box in November and Donovan Peoples-Jones can't get open downfield and Anthony Schwartz dropped his fifth pass of the season and... David Njoku is still kind of David Njoku and I'm going to replay everything that we just said on this podcast. Just go, go it's, get a receiver. It's okay. Go. Cause Deshaun Watts just scrambled for 13 yards on a first down. <laughs> Dan, Fair you, enough. Like, you're turning go, into go a get, Go get a receiver because we've, I think the reason there was this run on receivers, a historic run. And we talked about it where you're going to hear it in the second half of this pod is receivers cost $30 million now. A great receiver costs twenty-five or thirty million dollars. I promise you, two years from now, you're going to be paying Amari Cooper twenty-five or thirty million dollars. Go get a receiver. You you can figure out edge rusher. Davian Clowney can come back. There's veterans out there. You signed Chase Winovich. Trade up and get Sky Moore if you have to. Now maybe you like Alec Pierce at number seventy-eight. Okay, maybe there's a guy that you feel like you can get at seventy-eight, and that's fine if, if that's if if they believe that. I think you've got to be aggressive to get the receiver you want. I think if you come out of here with like a defensive tackle, as much as I kind of like some of these guys, I don't know, man, I, I, I want a playmaker. I could live with an edge, but I want a receiver. You know what I thought was weird was that it just did stop so abruptly. I mean, after you got to Traylon Burks, like it was over. And at the end of the first round, when you had all of those teams that you thought for sure were going to take a receiver, especially the Packers, right? And they didn't do it. It really makes me wonder. And it really, for the most part, I think uh, made me think a lot about, about George Pickens because uh, you know, if, if that report in the athletic, if that were not true and there weren't some smoke there, then you know, I think maybe one of those teams may have taken him. So I'm off that scent, was never really 100% on it. Um, but I'm kind of off that a little bit. I just, I do think that there is something to all of those coaches and GM saying what they did. And um, so I'm kind of not thinking that, that that's something that will happen tomorrow. Um, but you know, even some of the other guys like Sky Moore, like why wouldn't somebody take him in the last five picks? So it, it kind of makes me think that, you know, I mean, maybe the Browns will feel the same way 
and move over to one of these defensive guys and have them rated higher. I mean, maybe the second wave, it, maybe there's such a significant drop-off after that first wave. So if the receivers were gone, then they'd be gone. But the fact that they're not gone means the Browns shouldn't take them because they're available because nobody else took them. Well, like that, I'm, I'm people didn't that take maybe... JOK last year because they didn't know what to do with him. And the Browns were like, we'll figure it out. We'll take him. Take yeah, George I'm... Pickens. Who cares what the guy said? I'm just saying that I mean, it was a, it was a couple receivers, coaches and a scout. So I was say real quick, I do, I do agree with Dan that I, I, before he puts me on the Andrew Berry fan club <laughs> here, uh, not that See, I don't, that's like, all I was trying not to that I don't like the job Andrew Berry's doing. I'm just saying, uh, I do agree that defensive tackle at one of these picks, one of these first two picks tomorrow, I would not be a fan of that. I do think you go edge or, or wide receiver at 44 because like, obviously edge just like receiver is that's, that's you're putting a lot of money into that in the free agent market uh, as we've seen. So that too can be cost effective uh, taking a guy like that at 44. The 12 picks yeah. ahead of the Browns. No, the Browns are the 12th pick, the 11 picks ahead of the Browns. Three of those teams took receivers in the first round. So that's good. The Titans, the Jets and the Falcons. So that doesn't a thousand percent mean, but probably not. Right? Who else? Where, where are the Eagles on that list? Are the Eagles ahead or behind them? Because they obviously made the, the trade. They're behind them. I don't have the list in front of me. Okay. And then I, I think, I mean, if you just do a rough sketch, I got to like 11 or 12 players just with available edges and receivers that I would be like, no, I'll, I'd do that. So, right. All right. They have the 12th pick. Are there 12 players currently available that you like for the Browns? I just did it at the two positions that feel like the biggest need. And I got there. Okay. And did not feel like, Oh, they'd be really stretching. So as people were saying, some of the edges got knocked down. Ebikidi is in there. Ajabo is in there. A couple other edge guys are in there. Logan Hall is in there. Cam Thomas is in there. And then there's this second tier of receivers. So I think there's a decent chance that need and available talent once again merges. And the person that they take at 44 is a version of the best player available that opens also happens to play a premium position where they need somebody. I don't think we're asking the right question here. How many of those 11 teams to play to the Browns need a kicker? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe that's what they should do. Maybe they should just take their <laughs> kicker at forty-four, and everybody's going to be happy that they address the biggest, the biggest need out there. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, look. Yes, if they took a, a Nick Benito or if they took a good edge rusher there at at forty-four, I understand it. I get it. I wouldn't be disappointed with the pick. I just, I've said, it, I still think this team is one or two wide receivers short, and I and I. And, and Scott, you're right. I mean, Deshaun Watson is going to make everyone better around him. But also at the same time, you're competing with teams that have high-level quarterbacks, but also have a bunch of high-level receivers. So like Joe Burrow has a bunch of really good receivers. Justin Herbert has a bunch of really good receivers. Um, Russell Wilson has some good receivers. Um, so, so a lot of these elite teams – have the quarterback like the Browns have now, but they also have a bunch of offensive firepower in the receiving core. Now the Browns are built a little different. They've got the best running game probably in football. And, you know, I think they still like their tight ends, but I just still want to see them at a receiver. And I feel like the best course to do that is to identify one of these guys and either go get him or wait for him to come to them and get him at 44, unless they really, 
really love like Khalil Shakir or they think Alec Pierce is going to be there in the 70s. All right. I think we're good. Um, biggest <laughs> surprise. Does anybody have a biggest surprise for us? I have a biggest surprise. Yes, absolutely. I really was surprised that Malik Willis dropped out of the first round. And I, I, I guess my eyes must have deceived me and people that I talked to, you know, I guess I'm wrong about Malik Willis, but you never know. I mean, we'll see. <laughs> Time will tell. I mean, Dak Prescott was a, a third rounder. So was Russell Wilson. Um, you know, sometimes teams don't know what to make of a dual threat quarterback that might not have all of the production in college that they like. Lamar J Jackson went 32nd. So I think there's still some sense of hmm, not everybody knows exactly what, uh, what to make of, of some of these guys, or he might just not be that good. I mean, we will, we'll find out, we'll know over the next, obviously three or four years, but that had to be the thing that surprised me the most. I actually thought the Steelers would take him at number 20. Yeah, being charming only gets you so far, apparently. <laughs> uh, my, I guess my biggest surprise was uh, the Ravens trading Hollywood Brown. They moved down to 23, and they traded again to 25, and then they took a center. And it was around that time that Lamar Jackson tweeted out, uh, you know, whiskey tango foxtrot uh, and pretty much <laughs> left it at that. And I'm not sure what's going on there, but uh, I think a lot of people took that as maybe he wasn't really thrilled with the fact that he lost his uh, most productive wide receiver over the last few years and uh, didn't really seem to find a replacement. Yeah, um, that, that was interesting. I think he did later quote tweet himself and say this wasn't about the center, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, my surprise was, I mean, the Packers not taking a receiver, which we kind of already talked about. They did get two good Georgia defenders. Um, and then the surprise of the first round that everyone on Twitter, I think, was going nuts over was the Tyler Smith to Dallas pick, like in just what the heck you could have got this guy later. He needs a lot of work. So those two things really jumping out besides what we've already talked about. Yeah, and I agree with Mary Kay. I, I I was a little surprised it was only one quarterback in the first round, but that it wasn't an upside swing on Malik Willis surprised me. And I'll be very, very curious to see where he goes. It just it feels like a lot of teams are waiting for next year's quarterback draft, potentially. Like they didn't want to go in the first round here. They'll push. Maybe they'll take a swing on somebody in the second round, but then if it doesn't work, it's not that big of a deal. And they'll wait for CJ Stroud and Bryce Young in a year. I actually think the Browns were probably a little bit relieved. And I wrote that as the lead of my Kenny Pickett stories. I, I was getting all ready to write the Malik Willis to the Steelers story. I had the photo in, I had the gallery and I had the headline <laughs> written. I had the lead written. I mean, and it was a good one. And <laughs> can't re remember what it was, but it was good. I know it. And, uh, <laughs> And I was all ready to go. And I was like, I was like, darn it. There I am swapping out galleries and photos and rewriting the whole darn thing. But anyway, so I was surprised because I actually watched, uh, I watched Mike Tomlin with my own two eyes spending time uh, with Malik Willis at the senior ball, 
uh, I mean, he's, he's, they spent a lot of time obviously with Kenny Pickett too, but I, you know, I really thought that they were very intrigued by Malik Willis, but something seems to have scared teams off about him. Something has given teams pause, but I think the Browns were probably relieved that Malik Willis did not end up in, in Pittsburgh, because I think, I think they were intrigued by him. I think they, they saw something in him too. I do think some some bad teams got better tonight. I thought the Jets to get Sauce Gardner, Garrett Wilson, and Jermaine Johnson with three first-round picks has a chance to be a draft that resets the Jets franchise. And I thought the Lions getting aggressive. Aiden Hutchinson falls to them at two. It's a great fit. And then they jump to get Jamison Williams at 12. That's really aggressive. That's a guy that maybe some people thought would be the first receiver off the board. That, That jump started. I think the Lions a little bit. And so the Jets already have their quarterback. The Lions can maybe wait a year to try to get one. But I like it when bad teams seem to smartly acquire good young talent because it's no fun for those fan bases for those teams to stink continually. The Great Lakes Classic is going to be lit. I don't know it's when it's <laughs> happening again, but watch out. A lot of young talent. Can't wait. <laughs> Let's get it on the <laughs> schedule this year. Let's do it. You know what? They should make it the Hall of Fame game next year when when joe thomas gets inducted the, the hall of fame game should be the great lakes classic bring out the barge and everything and specifically when we're talking about uh the quarterback situation i was mildly surprised that the panthers did not draft a quarterback uh, especially because their gm scott fitterer and of course it's gamesmanship i told you your grandmother would lie to you at this time of year but um, so, I mean, don't, don't ask her about Easter or anything around draft time because she's, she's lying to you. But, um, but anyways, so he did say, you know, oh, if we do go out and try to find someone, you know, we would prefer to do that in the draft. And, you know, if those guys are available out there on the market, there must be something wrong with them anyways, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I was a little surprised that, that they did not go after a quarterback. And I actually think that uh, there are a couple of other good quarterbacks. I mean, Doug, you've mentioned Desmond Ritter. He might turn out to be the best quarterback in this class, right? I mean, some of these guys might be decent. I don't think it's as bad of a class uh, as, as it turned out to be with only one of these guys going in the first round. I don't know. That's weird. It's just, it's just odd. And it makes me think that for all the money that these guys get paid, and for all the film that they watch and for every single thing that they do, that it's still such a crapshoot uh, to draft first rounders, especially. Well, like you will hear us discuss, uh, Carolina might be setting up a $36 million quarterback battle between former failed top three draft picks in the, in the fall here. So mm. keep Ellis and your thoughts and prayers <laughs> so, uh, before you go to bed tonight. Say a, say a little prayer for Ellis having to watch that quarterback battle in July. Uh, okay, so here's what's going to happen. We're going to take a break. On the other side, you're going to hear uh, a replay of our live reaction to, I think we went on around pick 11, um, all the way through the Ravens pick at 25. Uh, and there's a lot of Baker Mayfield talk there at, at the top of that. Um, and the reaction of the Panthers and whether there might be a Baker Mayfield trade. Uh, maybe our next podcast will be a Baker Mayfield emergency podcast. We will see, uh, but we're going to take a break. And like I said, uh, you're going to get that real-time replay 
uh, of our draft reactions starting at pick number 11. Uh, Doug, Mary Kay, Ashley, and Scott, I will talk to all of you later. Dan Lobby here with Mary Kay Cabot and Ashley Bastock. Doug Maurice is going to join us a little bit later as we are following along the NFL draft. Uh, Garrett Wilson just went. Unfortunately, Doug is not here to talk about that right off the top. Uh, the New Orleans Saints just traded up to number 11. They are on the clock. It feels like this will be a quarterback. But, hey, speaking of quarterbacks, Mary Kay, let's talk about Baker Mayfield because the first domino to fall, the first thing the Browns fans were interested in tonight was what Carolina would do at number six overall. And they did not pick a quarterback. They picked a tackle. So that means whatever shred of hope there was that the Carolina Panthers might trade for Baker Mayfield this weekend is still very much alive. Yeah, that's definitely still very much alive. And as I reported last week, a source told me that the Panthers had the inside track to trade for Baker Mayfield. Uh, that was the team that seemed the most interested in last week. Uh, today, I was told that there are a handful of teams interested uh, as we headed into the first night of the draft. And so it wasn't a foregone conclusion that they were going to be able to land him. Uh, the Browns maybe had an opportunity to uh develop a little bit of a market for, for Baker Mayfield. So, uh, you know, so that was something that's good for them. And then when you look at a few of the other things that happened, uh, the Seahawks, you know, they also took a tackle. They didn't take a quarterback and the same thing with the Falcons. They took a receiver. They didn't take a quarterback. So uh, some of the teams that, you know, that are sort of uncertain at that spot, um, you know, definitely are still in play, but I would say, more so than anybody, uh, probably the Panthers. So Ashley, the mutual disinterest between Baker Mayfield and Carolina might not be such a mutual uh, disinterest after all. Right. I feel like we've been talking about this for weeks, but it, I mean, it does kind of feel like, uh, okay, maybe it's like that, that this is happening gif like this. Yeah. It's happening, whatever it is. Like it feels like we're getting closer to maybe some resolution here. Yeah, I mean, it just feels like Carolina, like to me, it, it's felt like Carolina could be like the most likely landing spot. And especially after this, they don't pick again until what, the fourth round, like unless they somehow execute a trade to get back up into this first round or, or something crazy, they're not getting one of these top QBs, uh, drafting one of these top QBs. And, you know, in Mary Kay's story, she wrote about Scott Fitterer told Sam Darnold this week to brace himself to have a QB competition and that they were going to probably be changing up that room this weekend uh, through some method. So uh, I, I just think still this is kind of whether or not there was a mutual disinterest or disinterest on one side, it might just end up being the most likely landing spot still. And, you know, while, while we're doing this live, the, uh, you know, another team that was involved in the sweepstakes for Deshaun Watson and lost out to the Cleveland Browns, the Saints drafted Chris Olave. So all of the teams that sort of had quarterback issues so far, uh, none of them have taken a quarterback. What does that say about these quarterbacks? I don't know. Uh, I had uh, Malik Willis ranked pretty highly on my board. And so far the NFL isn't seeing it the way that I did. Um, but, you know, we'll have to see how this goes. Again, this leaves uh, open the possibility that, um, you know, that one of these teams could come and try to grab Baker Mayfield. 
So let's talk about Carolina a little more closely here. And the other thing we're watching too, as this plays out is what Pittsburgh is going to do at number 20. That was one of the reasons we kind of wanted to go live. Uh, What is Pittsburgh going to do with the 20th overall pick? Are they going to get a quarterback or are they just going to go all in on, on Mitchell Trubisky this year? Um, So honestly, Alave going to new Orleans is I think good news for the Browns. I was, I texted this out to our football insider subscribers that I was scared to death. He was going to end up with the chargers which would just make them chargers might be the favorite already in the AFC, but adding a guy like Chris Olave would only add to that. Um, But that being said, going back to Carolina, Mary Kay, the complication here. And the only thing I can't get over is they already have one quarterback on a guaranteed fifth year option in Sam Darnold. And so are they going to put themselves basically in the position the Browns are in now where they're going to be stuck with not just Baker Mayfield, but also Sam Darnold, two guys who are due $18 million. I mean, they actually have the same fifth-year option number because neither of them did anything to escalate that number outside of the playing time. Um, I mean, what? look, the Browns don't care, but is that a, an actual real hurdle for the Panthers to figure out what to do with Sam Darnold? Well, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know what they're going to do with Sam Darnold. I don't know if they'll just let those two guys – duke it out and try to let the best man win uh, or if they'll try to to move Sam Darnold and maybe uh, somebody else will be willing to pick up a little bit of his contract. I really don't know uh, what their plan is going to be, but it does seem like when you go and have a conversation with your starting quarterback and basically tell him, we're probably going to add somebody this weekend, then, uh, you know, I think that means that either he's not long for the team or he has to understand what the drill is. And that is that he's probably going to have somebody in front of him. Uh, So I don't know. It still seems very likely to me that, that Baker Mayfield could end up in a Panthers uniform uh, before the weekend is out or shortly after the weekend is over. This is what happens when you're kind of just a bad organization. You know, and I, I don't know that much about the Panthers. I just know, like, it, it's hard to figure out what they're doing. And they're, it sounds like they're going to end up paying $36 million for Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold to compete. And, like, the reality, Ashley, here is that if Carolina wants to get a quarterback, they probably shouldn't really want to win all that much next year. They probably shouldn't have a $36 right. million quarterback competition. But Matt Rule is – fighting to keep his job. And I, and I don't think that their owner, David Tepper is a guy that really can stomach losing all that much. So they're just in a really awkward position and it it just feels like this. And again, the Browns and Browns fans don't care, but it feels like this is going to end up being a no win for Carolina. Yeah. It's like, it, it just, when you have the option to get one of these rookie QBs and you could have them for five years and it's, you know, more cost efficient, I, I kind of am like, hmm, like, why didn't you you go that route? You know, when you're looking at what the other option is, given the quarterback movement in, in the league so far this offseason and Baker Mayfield and Jimmy Garoppolo really kind of being like two of the last ones out there that are left standing. And what are you going to do? Like, it, it just to me doesn't really make sense, given the draft position they're in. But you're right. They're, they're in such an awkward spot right now with people's jobs on the line, potentially, and where their draft picks are this year, it's, it's tough. And not all these decisions I think are going to make the most sense. And at number 13, the the number that we have kind of been keeping an eye on uh, the Eagles are now selecting at number 13. They have moved up their 
where the Houston Texans were after they traded uh, Deshaun Watson to the Cleveland Browns. So the Lions, um, this is the third straight trade. The Lions took Jamison Williams at number 12 after they traded up. Now the Eagles are on the clock and, um, and they're picking in the 13 hole where uh, the Cleveland Browns originally were going to be. So uh, really interesting to see what they're going to do here at number 13. But, you know, there's all kinds of trades going on. We knew this was going to be a crazy first round, uh, but this is getting a little nuts right here uh, where people are jumping all over the place. And we don't have the pick yet to see exactly what the um, the Eagles are doing here. I'm very interested to uh, to see what they end up doing. And you know, as, as we move along here, they they started out with uh, three first round picks. The Eagles did, and so yeah, this is uh, this is going to be very interesting to see what they do here. Do we have it yet? So so let's play this game. Um, the, the Browns at 13, uh, obviously Garrett Wilson off the board, Chris Olave off the board, Drake London off the board at the receiver position, knowing who's available right now, if the Cleveland Browns were selecting at number 13, who would you, who would you be lobbying for? Who would you be sitting in that, in that room with saying, man, I really want this guy. Uh, you know, Jamison Williams is out there. Mary Kay Malik Willis is still available. Jamison Williams just went. Yeah, so like that's the thing. There's been a run on these. Okay. There's been a run on these receivers that you're looking at. The, I have the PFF um, board pulled up right now. The draft tracker. You're talking about that. Sky Moore is their top ranked receiver that's available. So we're getting into that group of guys that we were talking about for early second round tomorrow. So this, this is, is interesting. This is bad for the Browns if they yeah. want a receiver at 44. Is is kind yeah. of where this is going. But who would you? I mean, Mary Kay, would you be? pounding the table this would obviously be no Deshaun Watson on the team so would you be pounding the table for Malik Willis here if if, if we're talking about if the Browns still had this pick I would have yes I would have and you know what like I said the um you know the NFL is not seeing uh Malik Willis obviously the same way that I did and we'll see how that turns out I mean they didn't see Aaron Rodgers you know, very highly either that year. So I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I liked what I saw and I am surprised that, uh, that nobody has taken a chance on, on one of these quarterbacks yet, but it's, it's interesting. I mean, once you start to slide like this, um, you know, things get, things get a little tricky here, but it, it also means that the Steelers are still in play to get Malik Willis at number 20. And I don't think that the Browns, are going to love that idea. Yeah. I don't, I don't think they're going to love the Steelers ending up with Malik Willis if that happens. And it looks like there is a chance it could happen. I mean, if I were the Steelers and I, and I wanted him, I would start maybe trying to move up. Now everybody else is trading, you know, if that's who you want, it's almost like you need to go up and, and get him. Who did the Eagles take again with that pick? I haven't oh, seen it have it up yet. On- Wait a minute. Did they, did the Ravens trade up to number 13? Jordan Davis. Oh, the Eagles took the pick. So someone in the, uh, the YouTube chat asking if Doug is going to join and yes, Doug will be joining us a little bit later. We'll get his thoughts on uh, Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson and uh, you know, how he thinks this all could shake out for the Browns. And we're also going to have a little bit of 
if you're not a subscriber to the Orange and Brown Talk feed, you got to subscribe because later tonight we'll kind of talk about the 44th pick and uh, and what to do. So, Mary Kay, let me ask you this: coming into this weekend, what would like what would you have put the odds at of Baker Mayfield getting traded? And now that we're kind of where we are now, what would the new number be? You know, I probably thought maybe 60% uh, heading into the weekend, and I would bump that up now. I mean, I, I think, you know, when, when Scott Fitterer started to talk about, hey, you know what, we want to draft our guy, you know, I, I mean, there was so much gamesmanship going on. Uh, he, he really got people off the scent of what they might do. And you know what, maybe they won't go ahead and, and trade for Baker Mayfield or Jimmy Garoppolo, but it seems like it is headed in that direction, doesn't it? I mean, unless they are really willing to go with Sam Darnold and, and just move forward that way. I I'm not feeling that I'm just not feeling that. So I think the chances are greater now. I, I would put it up closer to 70%. Ashley, what about you? Yeah, I would say 70, 75% range right now, because what are you going to do if you're the, are you really going to run it back with Sam Darnold? <laughs> like it just doesn't make sense. Again, I, I don't know. Like it's, it sure seems to me like the Panthers just look like kind of a bad organization and we've yeah, seen plenty of that here in Cleveland. Yeah. I mean that, that at the end of the day could end up being what this is, but if I'm predicting assuming that they have semi-competence, then I would bump the percentage up compared to what it was earlier. Maybe like what Mary Kay said, that this was just some gamesmanship to get everybody off the scent of what they were trying to do. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I think, I think it's a higher chance now. And I already thought it was like over a 50% chance that something happens this weekend. So, so I feel like the pick here for the Browns would have either been Traylon Burks or maybe they would have taken Jermaine Johnson. Jermaine Johnson. That's what I, I was thinking. I almost yeah. feel like maybe that would have been the guy, you know, go yeah. get that second edge rusher. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I, I think was I'd almost rather have, I mean, I like Traylon Burks, it, but 13, it, I'd almost so, rather have Johnson. I, I think Johnson, if you're looking at the two of them, like he's the one I would rather have. But it's interesting to see how the run on receivers has really happened pretty quickly here. Like we had Drake London at eight. And then four guys went between eight and 12 when Jameson Williams went because Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave both went in there as well. So like I said, we're already kind of in that range of guys we were talking about yesterday, like potentially falling to the second day. And now who knows how many of them are, are going to do that. Like this, this all has, I think, kind of snowballed very quickly in terms of where these receivers are being taken. Yeah. yeah I thought that was going to happen. I thought there was going to be a run on them. It, you know, it was just that yeah. you see them start to go, you gotta, you know, you really got to jump on them well, and, and, and go ahead. I was just going to say, I didn't expect um, Drake London to go as high as he did to Atlanta. Like I was kind of, that was, a first, I was kind of like, Oh, okay. That's interesting. Like I did not think he would be the first receiver off the board. I did think it would be Garrett Wilson. Um, but yeah, so then it's, it's almost like once that happened, maybe there was some thought process of that going around with some of these other teams being like, well, if London's gone already, how long is Wilson going to last? So um, it makes sense. And then you just keep pouncing. And we've sort of been discussing this, like there are a lot of teams that it made sense to take a receiver for ahead of the Browns, including teams that go on the clock before them tomorrow night. Um, so you're talking, you know, teams like, the, the Jets with a young quarterback, the Giants with a, a young quarterback, even though they didn't pick up the fifth year option on uh, Daniel Jones, which by the way, is a, just an enormous, like Baker Mayfield and Sam Darnold are like the template now, like unless you're sure now under this new CBA, you know, last year, that was the first time that these options were guaranteed the minute you picked them up. 
And I think the, I think everybody sort of took the old school approach of like, of course, we're going to pick up the fifth year option. Why wouldn't we, you know, but in the past, now it might not have mattered for Baker because they were guaranteed for injury in the past. So he might've, his might've ended up being guaranteed anyway, but it was a no brainer before. And now it's like, uh, do we want to, I mean, look what's happened to Baker. We don't want to be on the hook for Daniel Jones for 18 million. I was actually even a little, I'd be a little skittish if I was Arizona. I, I, I mean, Kyler Murray's option is $30 million. And I don't know if we're s- still hundred percent sure that Kyler Murray's like that guy. And Daniel Jones would have been more than uh, Sam's and Baker's. I don't know his exact number, uh, but his would have been more than theirs because it goes up each year. And of course it goes up now if you have pro bowls and if you've done uh, other things, there are incentives that bump it up even more, which is why Kyler Murray's is so high. Uh, But Daniel Jones, I think was, I don't know, his might've been in the $23 million range for, for next year, possibly. I haven't really uh, looked that up. I thought I saw something like that, but anyway, I I didn't, I didn't look it up at at the time, so I don't know exactly what it is. Yeah. But I mean, it was, it was significant (laughs) and it is a cautionary tale what happened with Baker Mayfield and with Sam Darnold. It is a cautionary tale. And now I do think fewer teams, unless you are really certain he's your guy, they're not going to pick up that fifth year option because all you have to do is franchise the guy after the year. If he turns out to be your guy, that's what the Browns could have done. They would not be on the hook for any money right now. If they would not have picked up the fifth year option, let him play out this year and then could have franchised him if they wanted to, or continue to work on a contract. So I think teams saw what happened with those two guys and that's what they're doing. Yeah, I don't. So Kyler's is like, I just looked it up. It's about 29 million guaranteed next year. I don't think I would have done that. I, I mean, I, even with Kyler and I've been a, I've been a big Kyler fan, but like still I, he hasn't gone out there and proven that he's a guy that can lead you to a Super Bowl yet. He's had trouble staying healthy and I'm a little surprised because I'm not surprised, but I don't know. I would have thought twice about doing it with Kyler. And then, like you said, Mary Kay, if he comes out and just balls, then you franchise him. Yeah. Yeah. Especially because they're already having problems with him. Okay. Right. They're, they're having issues with him right now. You guys saw the Ravens picked uh, Kyler Hamilton safety. Yep. Um, They love love their safeties in in Baltimore. There's some teams that like, when they make a pick, it doesn't matter who it is. You're just like, oh, that was a Baltimore Ravens pick. Yes. They you love they love they, their safeties. They just signed a good one in free yes. agency. Um, Absolutely. They, they've got some guys coming back in that secondary. That defense, they, their pass rush is a little iffy, but that secondary is going to be scary again. Yeah, absolutely. But getting back real quick to, um, to Kyler Murray, I mean, he's already, you know, giving them problems. You're, we're hearing about attitude issues we're hearing about you know locker room issues and they just went and locked themselves in for 29 million dollars and there really was no reason to do it except for you don't even need to hold the place you just don't need to do that all you had to do was say let's see how this goes or let's continue to you know to negotiate and um yeah it'll, it'll be interesting to see how that works out so the other thing to, to keep in mind here, of course, is the Browns, kind of the way this played out, not having the 13th pick doesn't really sting all that much anymore. Like, I don't know, 
look, they got Deshaun Watson, right? That's the bottom line. They got a franchise quarterback, the guy that they want to be their quarterback for the next 10 to 15 years. So you pay that price regardless, but it looks even better now. You know, there's, there wasn't a guy at 13 that you just had to have. You were like, Oh, we had to have this guy. And if things go the way they're supposed to go, these next two picks in this trade are going to be in the twenties, maybe in the thirties. So, I mean, it, it really has sort of worked out for them. Yeah. I think just at the end of the day, it's kind of like we said, when we got to 13 and we're looking at, okay, who's left. And all of these receivers have just been taken. It kind of like took the air out of the room in the sense when you're discussing the possibility, right? Like, You maybe would have, obviously, I think a lot of us would have been banging the drum for Garrett Wilson had he been available. Um, That would have been great. But like, yeah, when you're talking about like Jermaine Johnson, maybe to increase your pass rush, if you want to go after Malik Willis. okay. but like you said, Dan, it's like you have your franchise quarterback there. So uh, that kind of puts a little salve on that wound, I guess, if you were wanting him very badly to develop, you know, potentially a franchise quarterback. So it is interesting that this may have it may end up working out, I guess. When you guys look at this, what uh, I was just thinking really quickly, I was just going to switch gears for a very quick second. What receivers do you like that are still um, left on the board? And of course, by the time we get to number 44, they're not going to be there anymore. But That's that's a good question. I'm going to pull up a little here. We still have John Dotson, our guy who you listen to the pod with our war room pod. That is who we ended up trading up to number 40, I believe to get an hour fake war room. Um, Traylon Burks is still out there. George Pickens is still out there. Sky Moore is still out there. Uh, Jalen Tolbert's still out there. John Mitt, M- Michi, J- uh, Dan's guy still guy. out there. <laughs> Christian Watson, Kyle Phillips, Calvin Austin, the third Alec Pierce. Like that's probably those next like two tiers maybe right of guys. Right. And Christian Watson, a guy that, I think we talked about this in the war room pod, probably not a guy they would take. So, I mean, I guess if we're looking at players, we think they could take. So Burks, Dotson, Moore, Pickens, Tolbert, Michi, you know, Khalil Shakir, not all of these are 44, right? Some of these might be 78. Right. Wandale Robinson, Alec Pierce, your guy, Mary Kay, your guy, Calvin Austin, Mary Kay. Yeah. I'm up to 10. Yeah. I think they're, yeah. they're going to be able to get one of Some. these guys. I would and imagine. there are a lot of good defensive linemen left. There are a lot of good defensive linemen left. Uh, the way that, that this is shaping Oh, D- David, David Bell, somebody in the, uh, the comments mentioned David Bell. We, we should mention him from Purdue. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, Defensive lineman-wise, George Karloftis is still out there, Jermaine Johnson, um, Nick Benito, Drake Jackson from USC, my guy Josh Pascal out of Kentucky, Kentucky, uh, Boye Mafe from Minnesota, David Ojabo from Michigan, um, Dominique Robinson and Alex Wright, D'Angelo Malone, all guys we talked about yesterday on the War Room Pod to later in the, the Texans. The Texans, a team that could maybe at some point take a receiver before the Browns, they're, t- they're going offensive tackle. Uh, Kenyon Green. So um, that's, I guess, that I, I mean, that's good that for the Browns 15? for now. What what number was that at? That 15. was 15. At 15? So commanders are on the clock now. I'm all messed up. <laughs> <laughs> this, this draft is moving quick. 
it is moving quick. It's, and it's moving quicker yeah. online than it is on the broadcast. Like the broadcast feed, I'm only at the oh. Ravens right now. No, but yes, so here is are the so teams. Here are the far. teams as as we're talking about this live in real time. Um, that you kind of circle as like they could still take a receiver. I mean, I guess the Commanders could do it, but just the Chargers could just beef up that that receiving core if they wanted to. Um, the, the Eagles could. The Saints already took one. The Patriots could, but the Patriots always draft bad receivers. So whoever they take, don't worry about them. Um, the then, then you get then you get to the Packers, who are at twenty two and twenty eight. The Chiefs are at twenty nine and thirty. The Titans could always take somebody. Although I think they're probably okay. I mean, they have AJ Brown uh, and Robert Woods. So there's still some teams out there that you got to worry about to, to start picking off some of these receivers. And I mean, I think you st- even start looking at tomorrow, the Jets, the Bears, which we obviously talked about at 39. We talked about that a lot on the War Room Pod. They don't have a first round pick this year. They really need a receiver because they just traded, got rid of their best guy. So it's, I don't know, it still is like, it's kind of, I'm still of the mindset that I think maybe the Browns are going to need to try to be a little aggressive here tomorrow. Like we'll see what happens the rest of the evening and who else potentially comes off the board today. But like I said, we are kind of already in that range of guys. We were all debating at that possible 44 spot and then ended up trading up to 40. So I, I, I just want to say, I, I just saw a tweet raving about how brilliant Andrew Barry was that there there's no receivers left to 13. So that makes the move for Deshaun Watson more brilliant. Let's listen. Andrew Barry is a, seems like he's a fantastic GM. He is a brilliant guy. The brilliant move was like, Hey, here's a potential top five quarterback. I'm going to trade a bunch of picks for him. It wasn't forecasting like, eh, I think there might be no receivers left at 13. I, I'm sure that, that had they stuck at 13, they would have liked to have gotten a receiver or made a move up to get one. So um, the, the brilliant move by Andrew Barry was I'm going to give up a whole bunch of picks and we're going to pay a bunch of money for Deshaun Watson. And you know what? It was the right uh, off field stuff aside. It was the right thing to do at the time. And it's, it looks like it's even was even more the right thing to do now. Yeah. And again, when you look at sort of, well, <laughs> we'll see how this works out. I was going to say when Ooh, you, how about at- this? So the Cardinals, sorry, Mary Kay, the Cardinals oh, no. trade number 23 to the Ravens for number 100 and Hollywood Brown. I just saw that. Yeah. So the Ravens I wonder if they would go receiver now at 23. Yeah, they could. Hollywood Brown never really panned out. No. Okay. So uh, Hollywood Brown to the Cardinals Ravens will have another first round pick. We're coming up on the Steelers here. Very curious to see what they do. Yeah. The Chargers are the team, like I said, that I'm, I'm, that's kind of the next team that I have circled is like, I'm really interested to see what direction they go. Um, Doug, Doug said he would have taken them number one in our AFC power ranking pod. Yeah. So that's a, that's a dangerous football team. Who, do, who I'm curious who you guys think of the receivers who are still out there. Like, who do you think is going to be the next guy to come off the board? Is that too, too intense of a question? Hmm. Maybe Burks. That's what I was thinking. Burks Maybe seems Burks. obvious, but I almost wonder if it's like George Pickens. Yeah. You know what I'm like? We've talked yeah. so much about Pickens. It's too obvious. Like, 
whatever team those anonymous scouts and coaches in, in the athletic didn't work for. Um, if they're, right. they're going to take him. Yeah. George, George Pickens will probably go to Kansas city. Right. Doesn't that, that's like a chief. That sound, that feels like something that's going to happen. Like Chiefs, I think you just, the just don't care. They're just going to bring somebody in, put them in their system. And that guy is going to thrive. Yeah. Yeah. He, I could easily see that happening. It just feels right. Yeah. Uh, so we got the chargers are on the clock. I got to, oh, I got to up on picks here. Jahan Dotson. Commanders are taking Jahan Dotson. 16. Oh, that's our guy. Wow. He goes high. Wow. Didn't have a chance. Wow. Mm. So there goes Jahan Dotson. Jahan Dotson. It's been a long day. Oh, man. This is crazy. Yeah. So if you haven't listened, go back and listen to our uh, War Room pod that we did. And we came up with this brilliant trade to move up and take Jahan Dotson at like 40. Yeah. And here he is going at pick number 16. Wow. Join, See, join these, receivers, these receivers are, are flying. They're flying. There's going to be yeah. plenty. It seems like there will probably be plenty of defensive linemen, but the, the best receivers are, are going to be gone. They're going to be long gone. And I, yeah. I really yeah. think this is teams understanding how valuable these guys are. It's they the need rookie deals, receivers. Yeah. But they've ever, all these guys have been sitting around watching this wide receiver market and any receiver who does anything and isn't making $30 million a year once traded. And I, you know, I, I mean, I've said it before. It wouldn't shock me if two years from now, Amari Cooper is like, wait a minute, I'm only making 20 million a year. We got to do So these teams are receivers are going to become super valuable in this draft. And I think we're seeing that kind of play out here in real time. Like teams need receivers, but they also understand that if I can get a good receiver on a rookie salary, like that's, that's way better than having to pick somebody $30 million. I mean, five guys going in the last like eight picks or something like that. We've seen five receivers come off the board from eight to 16. You know, the Ravens are going to, they're going to take a receiver. They just took this great safety. They're going to take a receiver at number 23. And it's probably going to be Burks, Burks or who would fit with, uh, who else would fit with George Pickens. It could be Pickens. Oh, there's Doug. Doug has joined us officially. Doug has joined the chat. Yay. Um, Doug, I'm going to ask you the same question because this is sort of our Baker Mayfield segment. Um, what was your feeling about Baker Mayfield getting traded this weekend before the draft? And what is it now that Carolina specifically hasn't taken a quarterback? You're on mute, I believe. All right. Gotcha. You got me now? Yep. Yeah. Um, I thought the first round would have to play out, and it seems more likely now, right? But but still, they can still get – I mean, what happens if they get – if they do something and they wind up with a with a quarterback still? Um, could you guys just – who was the first pick? Could you guys just run me through the whole drops real quick? <laughs> I... You are out of it. I just – was, Came from a two and a half hour high school production of Footloose. Ooh, <laughs> lovely! Very entertaining, but it was long. It was Trayvon Walker to answer your question. I don't, I don't know who that is. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I think you just, I think I Baker. Ha, it has to be after the shake, after everything shakes out, right? But I, we don't think Carolina like pass on a quarterback because they're in love with Baker Mayfield. 
right? It's just that they like the value somewhere else. So, um, right. yeah, but but there's still, you know, if the quarterbacks aren't flying off the board, you can still go get your guy. So I'll be curious if Carolina at some point still winds up and going and getting somebody they like among these quarterbacks. And do you guys mind if I jump off here for a little bit? I need to update something and I am probably going to uh, – might get ready to post the Steelers drafting Malik Willis. There we go. <laughs> yeah. So. All right. Uh, uh, Mary Kay, we will, we will hear from you again when we uh, go record yeah. the pod for tomorrow about the 44th pick. Okay. Sounds or good. If you want to jump up, jump back on and we're still going, jump back on. Okay. Sounds good. All right. So Thanks. Doug, I'm not sure how caught up you are, but Garrett Wilson, Chris Olave, mm. Chris Olave goes 11 to the saints. Garrett Wilson, 10th to the Jets. Drake London was the first receiver off the board at number eight. But let's just get your thoughts on the two Ohio State guys going again. Garrett Wilson, 10th to the Jets, and Chris Olave, 11th to the Saints. Yeah, I think Garrett's going to be big in New York. I think that's a good stage for him. Uh, young quarterback to work with. When we had done our mock draft on Buckeye Talk about this, I said to the Jets, you just take him at four. If they love him so much, take the receiver you like at four. So you get the receiver you like, and then come back and get a defensive guy at 10. Everybody else said it would go the way that it actually did go, which is they get the defender first and they come back and get Garrett at 10. You know, when we talked about back in the world, when we thought the Browns were in the market for a receiver at 13, Wilson and London, to me, were the two best receivers in this draft, so I think it's appropriate. They were the top two. I still think I'd take Garrett Wilson ahead of Drake London, but I, it's more a style preference at that point. But I did think in the end, and again, I said a little bit, I can just never quite get over the fact that Ohio State sort of played Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave ahead of Jamison Williams when they had a decision to make. That was the guy that they kind of let go find a new path. That, that was the order of those three. Wilson, Olave, and then Jamison Williams, one, two, three. There were some people who thought that even with the injury, Jamison Williams might be the first receiver off the board or would go ahead of those guys. This felt right to me. So I do think Wilson, Olave, then Jamison Williams in that order is great. And they all still go in the top 12. So, you know, you would have liked for either of those guys to go, like if someone goes to Justin Herbert, it's like, congratulations on your 1300 yard rookie season. <laughs> And instead, they're going to Zach Wilson and, and Jameis Winston, right? So that's not quite the same thing. But I think generally the fits are good, and I think it's appropriate where they went. And that the Saints liked Olave enough to go get him, again, indicates something. I think Chris Olave is good enough to deserve that. So the way it played out, there really wasn't a guy there for the Browns at receiver. You know, we were talking before you came on that had – had the Browns still had the 13th pick, uh, Jermaine Johnson might have been the guy that we would have wanted there, um, kind of based on who was left. So, I, I mean, I guess, you know, I, I mentioned this. Somebody tweeted that, you know, this was part of Andrew Berry's brilliance. There were no receivers left. And I kind of pushed back like, no, he just traded for a great quarterback. But it, it did sort of work out in the Browns' favor that they aren't really missing this 13th pick. And I don't think they ever really were going to, but they definitely aren't really tonight. Do, I mean, do you agree with that? Yeah, I mean, I agree. Jermaine Johnson to me would have been the guy. I think that makes the most sense. But for a receiver hungry team, for three straight receivers to go the three picks right in front of them and for the five picks right in front of them would have been a tough nut to swallow, right? I mean, that would have been like, there would have been some Browns fans moaning at draft parties 
if the Browns were sitting there at 13 and now your choice is Traylon Burks at 13, Jahan Dotson at 13, or you don't get a receiver in the first round. So, you know, you can't have regret about doing whatever you have to do to go get a franchise quarterback. But if for whatever reason, Garrett Wilson had been sitting there at 13, there would have been some Browns fans, I think, me included, who would have been like, ah, oh, not regretting or saying the Browns shouldn't have traded for a franchise quarterback, but just saying like, oh, it could have happened. It's like, nope, it wasn't going to happen. It was never going to happen. And so, yeah, it, it sort of worked out okay. All right, so where are we here? Oh, oh, Doug, Jahan Dotson. I got to get, get that yeah. reaction because that was the guy that we spent a whole podcast figuring out how to trade up to get. Um, oh, this is big. The trade? Yeah. Yeah. A.J. Brown to the Eagles. Well, if you're the Eagles and you can't draft receivers, you might as well trade for one. Uh, but, but Doug, first, Jahan Dotson off the board at 16, and, and we spent a whole podcast trying to figure out how to get him at 40 last night. Yeah, that robot did us a favor. We knew that robot did us a favor in that freaking draft. So this does feel like not great news for George Pickens at 44 because receivers are hot. Yep. The receivers are the quarterbacks of like, wait, no. Yeah, the receivers are the quarterbacks of this draft. Usually everyone's hopping for a quarterback. Everybody's hopping for a receiver. So that's the fifth receiver you said, Ashley, fifth receiver picked. Yeah. And George Pickens is like the seventh receiver in this draft. Yeah. You think they're going to only be, there's going to be one receiver taken in the next 27 picks. It's like the George Pickens dream is probably dead. Sky Moore might be dead for the Browns. Jalen Tolbert might be dead. I was going like, well, to Christian Watson might, it might be like, oh, the Browns picked at 44 and they would have had to take the 13th best receiver at 44 because if this is where it's popping, and I know I have, I have something I think I'm going to write for tomorrow. The eight teams that did not have first round picks coming in. Six of those teams traded for a quarterback and two of them traded for a receiver with those picks. That's why they didn't have them anymore. That's where the value is. So this is not a great quarterback class. And Dan, it's what you were just saying when I came on. Everybody's jumping for receivers because you need them and you got to pay them. And if you can get them here and it's a good deep group, this is your time to go fishing and everybody's throwing their line in the water. And by the time the Browns throw their line in at 44, there might not be anybody left. Yeah. I mean, AJ Brown, a guy that wanted to get paid. I mean, deserves to get paid. I think he's one of the best receivers in football. Um, the, the Browns should be happy that he's out of Tennessee, but now this, this adds another team that could end up taking a receiver because they, they still need to have another guy there. Um, they, I mean, that's a team that kind of runs, the offense the Browns were running, but they've got to have two guys. And like I said, they have Robert Woods. They had AJ Brown, uh, but now, now they don't. <laughs> what is that trade? What is, did the Eagles trade a first round pick to get him or what did they trade? I, I haven't seen the, the traded, full terms of the trade yet. Do you have them, Ashley? The 18th overall pick and another third round pick, but it doesn't say what third round pick. Okay. So it's the eight. So instead of drafting the sixth best receiver, at 18, they used it to get A.J. Brown. Howard Roseman's pretty yes. good at this. Howard Roseman's pretty good at this. Yeah. And that's a different style of receiver. People had talked about Olave to the Eagles. That's a little duplicative with Devontae Smith, but I think Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown is stylistically a pretty good pairing together. Yeah, and, you know, like I said, they've kind of struggled. They've tended to draft the wrong guy. Uh, at receiver the last few years in, in yeah. spots. You know, they passed on Justin Jefferson. 
So to go and get a guy that you kind of know, and if you're willing to pay him to spend that money to pay him and to prop up Jalen Hurts, that's that's what you have to do. And and we we talked about it constantly here in Cleveland with Baker Mayfield, right? If if that's your quarterback, you got to find ways to prop him up. And a great way to prop up a quarterback is to give him a receiver like AJ Brown. And it might be to prop up the next quarterback. If that, that is the true. Jail, the, 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 the quarterback they take next year because they traded and made trades to get more draft capital for a year from now. So it might be to prop up Bryce Young or CJ Stroud or Tyler Van Dyke or somebody else. So, but I do think, and it's the same thing with Zach Wilson and, and Garrett Wilson. Oh, they'll make some money on that. They'll do some yeah. funny Wilson brother. Wilson Wilson. In New York. Yeah, that'll be funny. Oh, it'll be funny. Hey, it's my brother, Zach. It's my brother, Garrett. That'll be good. Um, if you want to find out, how can you find out about a young quarterback if they don't have anybody to throw to? Like you're wasting the investment of the quarterback if you don't give them weapons. So how can you decide on Trey Jalen Hurts Trey if you don't Burks. have anybody? Traylon Burks to Tennessee at 18. Yep, there we go. So that's just, that's like a save money one-for-one one replacement. That's we, They have Robert Woods as their veteran guy. And now they've got Traylon Burks uh, to pair with him. Zion Johnson went to the Chargers, by the way, a guard. Very boring pick for the Chargers, but got to protect Justin Herbert. They've, they've got the makings of a pretty nice little offensive line. Uh, Rashawn Slater at tackle was really good. Zion Johnson now um, at guard. So uh, trying to protect Justin Herbert. Doug, that was the team. I, I mentioned this. That was the team you would have picked number one in our AFC power rankings. Yeah, no, and I uh, – yeah. Did you do that before the Watson trade? No, we did it after. We okay. did it after. Okay. So I do think some of these, it's like, okay, Garrett Wilson, he goes to a Jets team that's not very good. You know, the team that jumps for Olave is an NFC team. The team that jump, you know, the jumps for Jamison Williams is an, is an NFC team. Kyle Hamilton to the Ravens is like, people thought <laughs> Kyle Hamilton might go second. And it's like, oh, the best safety, the best safety in the draft who like, didn't test great, but is a tremendous football player. Oh, where's he go? Oh, to Baltimore. There's a freebie for Baltimore. Here's like the sixth best player in the draft at 14. Congratulations, Baltimore. But I do think it is like, as you were saying, so the Eagles wind up, they have a young guy in Devonte Smith. Rather than getting another young receiver, they get a veteran. The Titans have a veteran in Robert Woods. Rather than having two veterans, now they have a veteran and a young guy, which is why I would like the Browns to have a veteran and a young guy at receiver, but Ashley, the, every, every five minutes, Ashley's going to be like another receiver was taken. I so, know. I'm literally, I was, was tweeting about it. It's like, there's a fire sale on these guys right now. I mean, and, and that's what it felt like. I mean, Doug, before you hopped on, I'm like Drake London goes eight. And then it was like those three guys, Wilson, Olave and Williams went. And it's like, Oh man, we're in that group of guys. We were talking about, do we trade up to 40 to get Jahan Dotson? Like we, we got to that group so fast and, four, and no QBs have come off the board yet. A four-year extension for AJ Brown, a hundred million dollars. Wow. 57 guaranteed. I'm telling you, I keep saying this. And I just, I want Brown's fans to be ready. We, we don't know Amari Cooper. I'm not saying this is anything bad about Amari Cooper, but if he goes out and has 1400 yards this year and is the number one receiver on a Super Bowl contender, He's not going to want to make $20 million a year anymore. And nor should he, honestly. He should want to be paid like a top receiver in football. And the Browns should consider paying it if he's that good. But I do think what we're seeing here is you can't pay two. So it does make sense to have, if you want to have a second guy, 
that you really believe in that if you're paying the first guy, the second guy has to be young, which is why, again, it becomes even more imperative for either Donovan Peoples-Jones to develop into a true number two or for them to find a young guy elsewhere, because I think you're right, Dan, and they're going to have to pay it. But but then you're not going to have a ton of money for your other receivers. You can't spend, you know, 33% of your salary cap on your receivers. So this is this is the new reality. And it feels like it happened overnight. Yeah. And no, we just had a Christian third Kirk, of the first of all people. Christian Kirk changed the game. <laughs> And so I, I, this is the new reality. Thank goodness the Browns got Amari Cooper when they did. Yeah. Or it'd be like, well, I hope Deshaun Watson has a big year throw to Jarvis Landry and Anthony Schwartz. It'd be like, oh my, you know? <laughs> well, Dan's so. been pounding that drum. It's like they really got him at exactly the right time. And like the market exploded like the next week. Uh, it's unbelievable. I mean, who knows what's going to happen with Debo. That's That's kind of a weird one, but like. Yeah, that receiver market is blowing up. And Doug, like, I mean, you mentioned that's the template they're using at corner. You got Denzel Ward, who just got extended, and then you've got Greg Newsom on this nice mm-hmm. kind of little rookie deal um, that, that, you you know, it's how you balance it. Now, eventually, hopefully Greg Newsom is good enough that you have to pay him a lot of money too. But that's that, that's a future Andrew Barry problem. That's, that's not an Andrew Barry trying to win the Super Bowl in 2022 problem. And I do feel like, the lack of faith in the quarterback class is helping to lead to this. Also a, the receivers are exploding. The position exploded in value and money this off season, but we're 18 picks in. We have six receivers and no quarterbacks. So it's like, Oh, you want to help your passing game. What are you going to do? Well, if you're not sure about Kenny Pickett and Desmond Ritter and Matt Corral and Sam Howell and Malik Willis, then it's like, well, I'm sure about Chris Olave. I'm sure about Jahan Dotson. That is like Jahan Dotson is a good player. Yep. He is he is a very good player. I think that Jahan Dotson was the 16th pick in the draft is telling us that this is this is a run. This is hot. I don't think he is the 16th best football player in this draft. I don't think typically he would be the 16th player taken, but this is where we are right now in the league. Yeah, and someone's saying that uh, they, they think um, might be an overpay for A.J. Brown. It might. I really like AJ Brown. Um, I, I think he's a really good receiver. I think he's been a little bit underrated in Tennessee. Not, you know, okay quarterback play. Ryan Tannehill's he's kind of a, a rich man's Baker Mayfield. Is that a thing? Um, but it is now. It is, if it is, that's kind of what he is. I think AJ Brown's a really good player. I know every time I've seen him play, at least when he can stay healthy and that and the football gets in his hands, it's scary. He's he's a big dude, he can run. Um, I, I like, you know, him and DK were, were teammates. I honestly kind of like AJ a little more than DK and I'll probably get killed for that from mm. our YouTube commenters, but I, I like DK a lot too. But, um, I, I just, every time I've watched AJ Brown play, it's like, Whoa, this dude can do special things when, the, when he's got the football. And then the other thing that's happening from a Brown standpoint is that the edges are falling. So we had two yeah. edge guys go at the top and then cave on Thibodeau, but then we haven't, I think a lot of people thought Jermaine Johnson would be a top 10 pick and he's still here as we get close to 20. So now Jermaine Johnson knocks down George Karloftis and George Karloftis knocks down David Ajabo. And all of a sudden we may wind up in a position where the Browns can get either the 11th best receiver at 44 or the sixth best edge. 
and then that has to influence how they think about it. Yeah, I was going to say the the fact that these edge guys keep falling, I think that really might change the conversation <laughs> for tomorrow specifically. Like, I don't know. I think the, you know, the David Ojabo question becomes more interesting if he's still on the board. And we didn't get to have that on the pod really uh, yesterday in the war room pod, just because he ended up, I think, going somewhere in the mid 30s, somewhere early in that second round. But that's an interesting guy if he's still there and and all those guys sort of around that area. And then it becomes, okay, if you're Andrew Perry and you're so focused on the best player available, which we've heard over and over again, you're going to get more bang for your buck maybe with one of those edge guys. Hey, Doug, do you have a nephew named Julian? I do. Is he in the chat? Julian is watching the stream. He says hello, and he says he stayed up for this stream on a school night. Amazing. That's my influence, and I apologize. So <laughs> I, I'm ruining his academic career, but he's a smart young man. He'll be okay. I had said he's an Eagles fan, and I had said he just had his birthday. Happy birthday, Julian. And I said, hey, if Chris Olave or Garrett Wilson gets taken by the Eagles, that's what I'll get you for your birthday. And so I think Jordan Davis, he's okay with. He did not want Devontae Wyatt. He was okay. very definitive. He didn't want Devontae Wyatt for the Eagles, but I think he's okay with Jordan Davis. And maybe we'll get an AJ, he'll get him an AJ Brown jersey now. That'll be fine too. Because he had a Carson Wentz jersey. He had a Carson Wentz jersey. Oh my gosh. And and he did say he considered setting it on fire at some Uh point. So he did not, he gave it away instead because he's a kind-hearted person, (laughs) but he at least had the right family instinct of like, what am I doing with this jersey? Saints go tackle at 19, Trevor Penning. So here we go. Steelers are on the clock. Number 20, Pittsburgh Steelers with their choice. Why do I just, why do I just, I just, I, I feel it in my bones that they're taking Malik Willis. Who, I could be wrong. Who would you choice? Of these quarterbacks, I'm sure we're going to get the pick while, we, while we're talking about this, but of these quarterbacks, which one would you be thrilled that they took and which one would you hate that they took? Is Willis the one that you'd kind of like hate? I would, I would despise him going there, I think. Yeah. For I sure. think I'd be happy if they took Kenny Pickett. I agree with both those. Yeah. And and Ritter is the guy that I like to. Ritter, Ritter would be an underrated, like, uh-oh. Yeah, I, I was going to say Ritter. I think Ritter's, like, super competent. So, um, but Willis is the upside pick. And But why wouldn't they swing upside? Mike Tomlin's not getting fired. Right. Swing yeah. upside, and Mitch is there. And swing upside. I can't believe, if they take Kenny Pickett ahead of Malik Willis, I'll be very surprised. The pick is in. It's Kenny Pickett. No, I'm just kidding. But it's, that's probably that's normally how that would go when I say. I'm staring like at my screen. I don't even want to blink. Scared everyone. But the idea of like no quarterback until 20. 20. Because we had gone through with this quarterback class. We had gone. It's not very good. Then I thought we had like a backlash to that of like actually it's better than you think. And I think maybe Willis could go two and Pickett could go six. And then yeah, here we are at twenty. It's like nope, no quarterbacks. It was like during that combine week, it felt like that you know that influx of oh these guys are going to be there's there might be two guys in the top ten. There might be four in the top fifteen. Like it just it it flip flopped back and forth fairly quickly. So we are waiting here to see who the Steelers take at number 20. This is one of the reasons we uh, we wanted to do this live stream was to kind of get to this point. This um, matters. This matters. Six wide receivers picked in the top 20 for the first time in the common draft era, which goes back to 1967. That's according to ESPN. 
So, yeah, so when you think about how this has gone so far, like Kyle Hamilton to the Ravens is not the best news that the Browns could have gotten. That's a really good pick for the Ravens. And then I think everybody in the world is waiting for uh, Tyler Linderbaum, everyone's favorite center, to fall to the (laughs) Bengals at 31. And it'll be like, oh, they have a terrible offensive line. Oh, here's a 15-year starter at center. (laughs) And so, like, I feel like that's the other thing that you're waiting on. But this this is really big. And they... Got Mitch Trubisky, so they don't have to play the guy they're taking now. They certainly do not have to take the most pro-ready Kenny guy. Pickett to the Steelers. It is Kenny Pickett. Yes. Wow. Sorry, Doug. Tiny hands. No, I'm good. That's a tiny hands. Tiny no, hands sorry, sorry to interrupt you. I know you you like this no. pick. No, I can. he can run it back. Oh, so going, Cleveland called me tiny hands. Here's five <laughs> touchdowns on your head. Be careful. But you I and just, Dan are going to be all over that Steelers. I, <laughs> Dan, you're going to take over Dan's place for all the Big Ben is old jokes. I'm off the bulletin board. Doug, Kenny Pickett has tiny hands jokes all on that bulletin board. I listen, he can't control your hands. Or you're born with your hands. I've never heard of someone having hand lengthening surgery. So good luck to Kenny Pickett. All the best. But he doesn't scare me. I think he might be fine. I'm a little surprised they didn't swing on upside here. I don't know what's holding people back. If you want a quarter. So if you don't believe in the quarterbacks, that's okay. But if you're going to take a quarterback, I just don't know. And I've changed from 18. And this is why when Mary Kay and I finally do our Josh Allen redo podcast, she's going to bury me because for the Browns on that, at that time, I was like, you've got to go a little more certain. You can't swing upside and miss not, not for this franchise. Right. But since then, the way the league has gone, it's like, how could you not swing upside on quarterback every time? How could you take the safer guy? And I, Kenny Pickett probably has a lot of upside too. He had a great year at Pitt. He had a great year at Pitt. But I think physical tools, it's not close with Malik Willis. And I'm a little surprised it didn't go that way. So I, I think one of the lessons um, that I learned from 2018 was, well, so Kenny Pickett is 23. I know we talk a lot about age in the draft process. He's going to turn 24. Uh, on June 6th I kind of feel like like with Baker Mayfield it was like I think we tended to talk about well he's going to get bet but Baker was kind of Baker like he was older when the Browns drafted him he was in college for like 20 years he wasn't going to be like this young developing guy like it's like Sam Darnold was young right and and that yes. might have hurt him because he went to a bad situation and, and it just fell apart but I, I do think like Kenny Pickett's probably kind of who Kenny Pickett is going to be. He'll, he'll learn the NFL game. Like there will be improvements just from him getting into a system and learning the speed of the game and and all those things that every quarterback has to learn. But I think ultimately we're probably going to see Kenny Pickett in his final form, if not by the end of this season, sometime in year two, I, I don't think there's a ton of like, like he's not the upside pick. Right. And, and I think when guys are 23, 24 years old at that position, I don't know. They, they don't really turn into much more than they already are. Can I just say too, I have the PFF like draft live draft board going and it allows you to kind of see how it allows you to vote basically on every pick before they happen. After they happen, only 38% of PFF users liked that Kenny Pickett pick. Mm. Most people picked Malik Willis going there. I, I think it might be. It might be hard for Steelers fans because they've had a quarterback for 15 years who's like a was a physical anomaly. He was built like a redwood. You could have three guys hanging off his back, and Ben Roethlisberger wasn't going down. 
And then he'd get out of the pocket and make some crazy throw and make a play. So I think Malik Willis is kind of that he's his physical traits make him different. I think Kenny Pickett is just Kenny Pickett's like just fine. And he's, if he's going to make it, he's going to make it on accuracy and acumen and all those things that really, really, really matter. But I don't think he's going to shake off three sacks, which Pittsburgh fans have been watching for 15 years. Mitch Trubisky has a better chance of doing that kind of thing because Mitch can scoot. So I'll be curious. I, I will be very curious now. What do you guys think? Is this a quarterback competition? Because as you said, Dan, Pickett's old and he's kind of a finished product. If it was Willis, which is an upside swing, then I would say Mitch Trubisky is the quarterback for at least the first half of this year. But Pickett, I don't know that Pickett needs to sit. So is this a Pickett-Trubisky battle in camp? So let me go back to 2018 again. I I thought one of the things that John Dorsey did well in that offseason was he went and he traded for Terod Taylor, right? Bringing a veteran. And then you're good. Whoever you pick doesn't have to start. And I, I got behind that idea and I stuck with it after the Browns drafted Baker. And the reality of it was as soon as you drafted a quarterback who was, I mean, what well, Baker had to be 23 when they drafted him. Mm-hmm. I, I'll have to, I don't remember his exact age. He might've been 24. Um, once you draft that guy who's had all that experience and all those college starts, you, you give him the ball. And it turns out two and a half games into the season, Baker was playing. And then week four, he was starting. And he right. didn't miss a start until this past season. So I think when you draft a guy with the experience that Kenny Pickett has, and I know it wasn't playing at a high level year after year after year, but it, it wasn't that way with Baker either, right? Baker kind of slowly built his way onto the scene a little bit. Um, I, I think when you draft a guy that's older like that, who's kind of, I think he is who he is, and I think you give him the ball. Especially if Mitch Trubisky your other option. He threw for almost 2,000 yards in 2018, more than 3,000 in 2019, 2,400 in 2020, 4,300 in 2021. Again, there's that old line of thinking, the Bill Parcells line of thinking of you've got to have at least two years as a starter in college. They don't want guys who haven't played. Mitch Trubisky was a guy who that didn't apply to. He was only a one-year starter at North Carolina. Some people shot away from that. I was like, ah, that's crazy. And it was like, oh, I don't know. Did that matter? Kenny Pickett has played a ton of snaps. But so again, I think, Dan, you're right on it. Good, experienced, smaller learning curve. But how much left is there? How much ceiling is there? So I'll be, I would imagine most Browns fans watching the draft had a similar reaction to us. He might be quite good, maybe, but I don't think he'll ever be scary. I think the best version of Kenny Pickett is, oh, yeah, no, he's pretty good. But he won't scare you the way Joe Burrow scares you, the way Lamar Jackson scares you, and the way Big Ben has scared the bejesus out of Browns fans for a decade and a half. It just felt like if they took Malik, like with Malik Willis, it's like, is this the guy who's going to terrorize Cleveland for the next like 15 years? And that's probably a lot to like put on him, but that's like the only QB in this class where you even come close to having that thought, where I even came close to having that thought. Everyone else, like you said, it's kind of like, eh, I don't know, maybe. Maybe they'll be pretty good. Maybe they'll win some games. Maybe he'll start this year. I don't know. And he could, you know, give the Browns some trouble. But Malik Willis was the one I was deeply, deeply concerned about. I think most Browns fans were deeply concerned about him going there. So um, in that instance, I think it's a it's a good pick for Cleveland. But I, I mean, I think what we're seeing is a lot of NFL teams aren't really sold on that upside yet. 
or at least not enough yeah. to take him in the first mm-hmm. round. And But it is interesting from a Steelers standpoint. I mean, I guess you could do a Josh Rose and Kyler Murray, but then does this also take the Steelers out of the running for CJ Stroud and Bryce Young in a year, which again, Browns fans ever... should be happy about. Yeah. And I look, this is the, this is a, some people might think this is good for the Steelers. Some people might see this as a flaw. The Steelers are just, they're never going to tank. Mm. They're, they're never going to be a team that goes into a season. I mean, remember when Ben first got hurt, they didn't, they turned around and within like a week of Ben getting hurt and needing Tommy John surgery and being out for the year, and it was going to be Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph starting, they traded their first round pick for Minka Fitzpatrick. And everybody thought, what are you doing? That's going to be your next quarterback. That's going to be your heir apparent. They end up going, what was it, eight and eight that year? That was the year the Duck beat. That was 2019. I, they're just not a team. They're just not an organization that's going to do that, you know, um, for better or worse. Report that the Patriots are trading back here from Ian Rappaport mm. with the Chiefs. So the Chiefs, oh, so the Chiefs are moving on the clock, which makes yeah. me think that they're looking at this run on receivers. And deciding they need one. So this could be Sky Moore, or it could like be it could be our guy. George Pickens, George Pickens could be our guy. Feels we like were saying, I think it might have been before you got on. You know who they were on that? It was like the the Chiefs just feel like a team that would take George Pickens. Like, can't you just see it? And it it's interesting because this is the pick before Green Bay. Yeah. So they obviously this is a team that did this before, right? They did this with Patrick Mahomes. They knew they needed to get ahead of Cleveland and they needed to get a new ahead of New Orleans. So they go out, they trade up to 10 and they take Patrick Mahomes. And here they are. They knew they needed to get ahead of Green Bay. And Brett Veach learned <laughs> Brett Veach learned very well uh, from, from the people he worked with in that building, John Dorsey and Chris Ballard, on how to maneuver the draft, apparently. Yeah, I feel like this is definitely going to be receiver knowing Green Bay's needs. It's interesting that Kwesi in Minnesota made a trade, an in-division trade with Detroit to let Detroit go up and get a receiver. (laughs) But who would you rather in your division let get a receiver, Detroit or Green Bay? And it's like, hey, I'm not worried about Detroit. Here, take all the best receivers. Let's just make sure Aaron Rodgers doesn't get anybody good to throw to. (laughs) But it's also not surprising that Kwesi is the guy that was like, oh, you want to give us a million draft picks? Yeah, (laughs) sure. That's fine. Well, I don't care if you're in our division. Yeah, that'll be that's I I like this. I mean, like that's aggressive from Detroit though. Hutchinson and Jamison Williams, that'll kickstart the reboot. Mm-hmm. And then if they do tank for one more year, and then you add Bryce Young to that, I think you're off to the races. So that's not a bad move by them. And I do think this is talk about teams that are willing to tank. The Lions, they'll roll Jared Goff out there one more time, go <laughs> three and fourteen, bail for Bryce. Well, and again, uh, oh, Trent, Trent McDuffie to Kansas City cornerback. Oh, that's interesting. So, well, we misread that one. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. We were not reading the war room correctly. Whoops. All right. Um, <laughs> why don't we stick this out there, at least this Baltimore pick? Okay. So we'll got to see if the Packers now, the Packers could go Pickens. Pickens is not a bad replacement for Devontae Adams. The Packers could go receiver here and then – Mary Kay thought that the Ravens would go receiver. Is that what she was saying before she left? They got Hamilton. They might. She thinks they might. It's a possibility. Because, but they just went receiver last year. That you know, I mean, Hollywood and Bateman, and then like, is that that's? Do you want 
Do you need three? Well, they they I traded guess. Hollywood. Yeah. When did they trade Hollywood today? Today, they traded, yeah, they yeah. before him. you got on. While you while you were watching a high school production of while Footloose. you were watching Footloose, Hollywood got traded, and that's to who? how this discussion came. To Arizona, out. yeah, oh. and that is how Baltimore is here. Is at twenty three now. Oh, I think that's right. When I was listening to uh, "I Need a Hero," <laughs> that's probably. I don't right think we have the rights to that. Talk. <laughs> Let's hear it for the boy. It's a heck of a musical. <laughs> oh, I got to tell you, it's a finger snapper, toe tapper. Congratulations, everybody involved. Everyone, so I didn't realize that. Did people they get a first Cleveland, round pick. People at Cleveland.com that have to write checks. That was Doug Maurice. I know, for real. <laughs> no one knows this podcast exists. <laughs> We're fine. <laughs> was Hollywood for a first rounder? Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I got to look up the trade. Oh, God, I didn't made. know, like, Wow. It really is. I mean, this is so this is the other thing that I could feel, you know, you can see a guy like Andrew Barry wanting to get in on. You draft a receiver, you get three or four cheap years out of him, and then you trade him instead of pay him and draft another receiver, which people over time have suggested as a quarterback plan. They're like draft a quarterback, get five years, never pay him and recycle because the quarterback on the rookie contract is such a big deal. Now we're seeing it applied to receivers on a rookie contract. The Tennessee, great second-round pick of A.J. Brown. You get all that production out of him. Then you trade the guy you took in the second round for a first and draft the younger version of him for cheap. This is the new model, and the Browns are not in on it because they don't have any young receivers. You have to draft the first guy so you can develop him, use him, trade him, and start the cycle. And they have not hit on a receiver on an, in an early round in decades to answer your question doug the cardinals got hollywood and the 100th overall pick in the third round for number 23 hollywood's not that good i mean i shouldn't say he's not that good maybe he's fine he's he's, but yeah he's not like i wouldn't give up a first round pick for him that's interesting so oh yeah so the ravens are taking a receiver okay george pickens enjoy baltimore great Ah, see, like so, Kenny Pickett's like, pfft, no one cares about Kenny Pickens. And now we're like, don't let George Pickens be a Raven. So here's, <laughs> well, here's the headline. The headline on the, the story that Mary Kay just put out is Browns will face new Steelers quarterback Kenny Pickett twice a year, which is like, yeah, yeah, great. I just want that's fine behind the curtain that that headline, I guarantee you, before the pick actually happened, said Malik Willis. And it would have been, it would yeah. have been like Mary Kay said, I'm going to write my Malik Willis to the Steelers story. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to write it just in case. Just oh, take yeah, out she said that Malik here on the air. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just take out all of those Malik Willis's and replace with Kenny Pickett. But this is why. You know, we mentioned this before you came on. I think that this is why you trade a bunch of first round picks like the Rams have done it. This is why the Browns aren't going to regret it. Like 13 was valuable and would have been valuable. They could have moved up to get a receiver if they would have wanted one uh, from 13. But like this team isn't planning on drafting before like 25 Mm -hmm. for the foreseeable future. And they're hoping that they're drafting that their first pick is in the 30s. So those first round picks become so much less valuable the better you are um and that's you know that's why you do it that's why the rams did it that's why the browns are doing it that's why you're seeing teams give away first round picks because they're hoping the guys they get back are going to make it so those picks don't mean all that much and it's it's a hard thing i think it is a really hard step for browns fans to think about because it's a couple steps removed 
but we are in the NFL is on a succeed and then trade part of your success to sustain the success cycle. And so for instance, the chiefs and the Packers, well, how do you ever get a good pick? Well, you're never going to stink, but you trade Tyree kill, you trade Devonte Adams. Maybe you accumulate extra picks. You could package them if you need to. There may be a point down the road with the Browns where the Browns are going to trade like a, a player. Browns fans love. You think chiefs fans were excited to trade Tyree kill. But if you're going to try to stay good, you're never going to get a high pick on your own. And the best way to try to acquire draft capital is by trading established pricey veterans and trying to stay young. So, you know, God bless the Browns trying to get to that point. That's when you know you've made it. When you trade Devontae Adams, that's forget a Super Bowl trophy. That shows you we're so good. We can trade a guy at this level and try to keep it going. So I, um, I want to. Um... Real quick, just a couple comments. Uh, so Chuck Wallace says, you guys must not know football. Pickett is a really good quarterback. I don't think we're saying Pickett is a bad quarterback. I just think we're saying like Pickett is not a special quarterback, I think. It's just as Malik Willis has way more upside in general. I think in a year where the quarterbacks aren't, it's, it's not seen as a strong quarterback year. That person, I, I think that's Kenny Pickett's uncle, which is fine. <laughs> that's fine. But he does have small hands. That's a fact. And like, it's a thing you can say, but that has actually as much as like, we've all made fun of that over the years. He has extraordinarily small hands the, for quarterback. The Packers, can we talk about the Packers? Oh. I'm sorry, because this is, I thought this was a mistake at first. And it is not. Um, they did not go receiver. Okay. Interesting. Quay Walker. Quay Walker. Quay Walker. He's a good player. I'm, I'm going to say that like the Packers have been, I, I know the storyline was like, oh my God, I can't believe they drafted Jordan Love. And yeah, that was a stupid pick. But like the Packers have drafted well. They've drafted good players. Maybe they haven't drafted the receiver necessarily. Yeah. They should have drafted, but they've drafted, they've built a, a nice defense there and they've, they've brought in guys who have been good. That's the second Georgia defensive player taken off this crazy Georgia team. And it's interesting. Quay Walker goes ahead of a guy. That's a third defensive player. Cause they're about Trayvon Walker, Trayvon Walker, Jordan Davis and Quay Walker still Nicobe Dean, not there. Uh, Lewis seeing the safety still there. They're going to have a bunch of people. The the other, the other comment I wanted to put out there um, was, uh, is this Pittsburgh following the Mac Jones plan base? Here it is. Uh, sounds like Pitt's following what the Pats did last year, drafting a finished quarterback. Maybe. But Some people got uh, – Mac Jones had a very fine first year. Let's see year two. Yeah. Well, so uh, – He went – when we drafted our AFC quarterbacks, he went, like, what, middle of the pack somewhere, right? I don't even remember. Yeah, I mean, he wasn't – we didn't have him real high. I mean, look. Maybe it, I've turned myself into a meme here, but um, like Ben Roethlisberger stunk last year. Like he was like, he couldn't mm. throw the football. So just having a guy who can competently throw the football is going to, he couldn't move either. That's going to make them better. Like Kenny Pickett can move. He can throw on the run. He can, he can kind of run that, that offense the Browns have been running. So I, I He's he's going to be fine. He, he's going to help that offense. I just don't know that the ceiling is super super high. And it that's is a, why he's not as scary to me. In a it's lot a of great ways. comparison. I mean, it's an established franchise. 
with the veteran head coach and great culture that waits, lets a quarterback fall to them that a lot of people think would not get to that spot. And then they take them and maybe they'll play them just like the Patriots did last year. I think how you think about the Kenny Pickett pick so the- depends on how you feel about Mac Jones. And some people love Mac Jones and some people think he is what he is already. While there's a lot of other guys in the league that have more upside. So the Bills and Ravens traded here. So the Bills took pick 23. The Ravens are now at 25 and they picked up 132. All right. 130. Number 130. Stick around till 25 here, at least the the Ravens pick. Yeah. All right. Let's let's try. Maybe they'll trade. Maybe they'll just keep trading back. Well, if they keep doing that, we we might have to call it a night here. Maybe John Harbaugh is saying, you know what? Let's screw with Dan Lobby up in Cleveland. Although this draft is moving. I mean, it's yeah. 30 and we're already well into the twenties here. There's been years where it's like, I don't know if this thing's going to end before 2 a.m. Famous last words though, Dan. Famous oh my gosh. That's such a rookie move. You're right. I'm the yeah, guy in real. the press box. He says, man, this game's going really fast in the second quarter. I do think uh, it's interesting that Jermaine Johnson is, is, is still available yeah. at this point because I had four guys at the combine who I was, I was Garrett Wilson, Drake London at receiver and Trayvon Walker and Jermaine Johnson at defensive end. And that was before Trayvon Walker went nuts and Jermaine Johnson's still here. He would, I think he would have been a good pick for the Browns at 13. The bills take Kyrie Alam, the cornerback out of Hmm. Florida. So still there as we speak. So I do think, I mean, this is, if you want an edge, the edges are getting pushed down. As we said before, Jermaine Johnson is still there. And then there's this group of Arnold Ebikidi, David Ajabo, George Karloftis, Boy Mafe, all happen to be four Big Ten edge guys that could be of interest for the Browns at 44. And then there's everybody's favorite, Logan Hall, still waiting around out there. So if if the if they're happy to go defense, that that might that might be where the when you're talking about best available positional value. Where, where they meet up, it might meet up at edge at 44. And Andrew Berry's patient. We know that. We've learned that over his first two drafts. He's very patient. Um, he, he struck last year when he wanted Jeremiah Wusukormo, but that wasn't like a huge move up. Um, he, he's he's going to continue to let this draft kind of fall, especially because these receivers aren't coming down to him. Now, if a Sky Moore survives tonight and is still on the board tomorrow, you know, I, moving up nine or 10 slots, I, I don't think would be insane. I, I think if he's a guy they like, that's a guy you would go get. Where are you? I know, Ashley, you wrote about what would happen if a Jabo with the Achilles injury fell to 44. Do you think the Browns should take him if he's there at 44? When I wrote that, I was still kind of to the point where I'm like, I want them to take a receiver. That's what I think they need more. Ojabo's who knows when he's going to be ready to play this year. And I, like you, Doug, I think have a lot of the same questions about, I do think he has a very high ceiling knowing how long he's been playing football. Right. But I, I do question how high it is because when he was really good, he was playing alongside the number two pick in the draft who got mm-hmm. all of the attention from opposing teams. So I think there are some questions about him, but you are talking about a guy who was kind of like a consensus, what top 15 guy before that injury. So I'm almost like, well, if you, if you do end up say, say the Browns go out, they get clowny, you still have Winovich, you have Ojabo for next year. Like I'm, I'm not opposed to it now. I'm maybe 
less opposed to it than I was when I originally wrote that story and was really hammering hard for receiver. But I'm just sitting here, the wheels are turning, and I'm kind of questioning how many of these guys are going to be available. And somebody tweeted at me actually with a good point. I can't remember who it was if you're watching this, but they they basically said if you get Ojabo this year, it's like trading your first round pick for a first rounder next year. Like your first round pick this year yeah. for like first rounder next year, basically, because he's probably if he's not going to play this year, then you get another first round talent type of guy next season. How how much does it hurt him though to lose that year because he is a developmental guy? Yeah, that's what I am. So you know, we talk about that how it's so important for these rookie guys to come out to not lose a huge chunk of that preseason. Obviously, that was a conversation we had like continuously with Anthony Schwartz. For a guy like him who's only been playing football for five years, that's like, that would be nuts, I think. I think at that point, it's almost like, okay, do you even try to come back for this year? (laughs) Or do you just kind of work through this injury, do the rehab, and then start fresh next year? Um, Because I do think that would be asking a lot. But again, I think it would depend for me on how many of these other guys are still left. And of those other guys, do I like them more than Ojabo at that point? I don't know. So I think we still kind of have a little ways to go before – I more have a more definitive take on that. I think there's still probably, I mean, look, Clowney could come back. There's still some veteran guys out there that you could sign. And then you have Chase Winovich in the Tack McKinley role. I think, I think there's, I think you can cobble this together. I think you can have right. a veteran number two guy have chase. And then if it's a Jabo or one of these rookies who might not necessarily be an every down guy right away, a Nick Benito, somebody like that. I think you could, I think you could get away with it. One piece of good news for the Browns so far, Cade York still on the board. Oh, yeah. so. good thing. Just in although, case. Although once that run on kicker star, Mary Kay might've been onto something with taking him yeah. at 99. So um, we're, real quick. Uh, I, just happened to have the YouTube open and Ken Brown says a question for Ashley. Ajabo would still do the physical rehab and could attend meetings and get the mental training and reps. We do talk about how that's important. I do think there is like an element though of, you know, you hear rookies talk about a lot or guys who are rookies going into their second year or second year players, how the, the game, like they use the term a lot slows down for them. And like that mental prep is a huge part of that, right? That's why guys like JOK maybe adapt quicker because they're really good at that and they really focus on that. But you do have to put the mental prep together with the physical prep for it to fully come along. Um, so I do still like David Ojabo, but I, I think it's just not the full developmental experience that you would want given the injury, but I'm still intrigued by him. Like I said, I think it would take a lot for, to make me not intrigued by him, but I would be curious just to see who, who also is hanging out around there. But given Ojabo and the receivers that are left, like unless Sky Moore survives till tomorrow, I might be like, yeah, you know, by, by this time to, tomorrow or within the next couple hours, this he's saying, yeah, let's do it. This team has rarely taken – early at least in the draft, they tend to value production and they tend to pick guys that they want to have on the field soon. So Jedrick Wills, Grant Delpit would have been a starter had he not torn his Achilles. Um, Greg Newsom, Jeremiah Wusukormo was a starter in week one last year. And I don't know that anybody expected that to happen when they picked him, but, th- but these are guys in big school guys who played a lot of football, even though they were young, had production even as you go down, like Jacob Phillips was like the leading tackler his final year at LSU. They 
they do tend to take guys with production. I think sometimes we kind of think like, oh, they'll take a guy with these traits that may be really raw and they can develop, but they haven't taken a lot of those guys. I mean, maybe Anthony Schwartz. Yeah. I mean, Ojabo did have a count as that. Ojabo did. Yeah. Like, cause DPJ didn't have the kind of numbers, obviously that I think anyone expected he would have in college for a former five-star guy, but like Ojabo like led the conference and set a school record and like forced fumbles his sack number. I think what 11 sacks, like still pretty good. But like, for me, I wanted to go back to, cause Andrew Berry got asked about this and it wasn't like in the context specifically of Ojabo, but Ojabo obviously falls into this category of how do you evaluate players with injuries? And I thought Andrew kind of gave some insight, but it was kind of like this classic (laughs) Andrew answer where he's not really saying, but you know, he basically said it's unique to the player. You look at the talent level, the position, the medical staff, what's the injury, what's the prognosis for the recovery, but the potential long-term or short-term impact on performance, obviously with Achilles injuries, that's always going to be a question. Um, And then two, he did mention at the very end, like if you're giving up a year of the player's rookie contract, that would also be like a big factor in their decision-making. It is interesting that there's two things that I'm thinking about. One is, does it lessen the likelihood of taking a chance on a guy who might not play with your second round pick when you don't have a first round pick? So now that's like two guys that you're not getting a rookie impact from, right? That if you just, if you took a rookie in the first round, maybe you could swing in the second, but then the, the Delpit thing is interesting because if we think, okay, well, they didn't know he was going to get hurt, but he did. And what happened? Well, did their season fall apart? They traded a fifth round pick for Ronnie Harrison to replace him. And they kind of patched it together and they made the playoffs and they were okay. And then Grant Delpit got healthy and came back and had a pretty good year. So if that, does that make you think, Hey, it worked out with Delpit. We'll patch it together in that spot. And then when Ojabo comes back next year, we'll have gotten a top 15 talent with pick 44. Would that make you more likely to do it? Cause you lived through it with Delpit and came out. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's fair. And, and Andrew Barry has shown that he can find value. I mean, the Harrison trade was value. I don't know. They, they brought Harrison back. I was a little surprised by that, but they brought him back. And maybe that's a little bit of a, I don't want to say indictment. That's the wrong word, but maybe that's a little bit of a, like, uh, eh, it's still not quite ready. Mm-hmm. We saw some good things from him, but he's still not quite ready. And um, Richard LeCount, I almost said Tony Fields, Richard LeCount isn't quite ready. Um, so we're, we're going to bring back Ronnie Harrison for another year and see how this goes. That well, the Ravens, that Antoine Winfield, the Antoine Winfield pick behind Grant Delpit is one that right. you hope doesn't haunt this team. But again, Andrew Barry has shown that he'll fix mistakes when he makes them. And I, I'm not saying Delpit's a mistake yet. Just if it turns out that way, he'll find a way to fix it. Do we have a Ravens pick yet? Did you- so- not yet on the clock. Okay. Tyler Smith of Tulsa, the tackle went to the Cowboys at 24. Okay. So what would be scary here for the Ravens? We did it with the Steelers. George, if you're Pickens. a Browns fan, who George, do you not George want? Pickens. Scary. George Pickens. Jermaine, Jermaine Johnson, right? He's still on the board. Yeah. Would be scary. I got to pull up my prospect list here. Again, just the idea that the, that the Ravens would get like, again, there, were, there would have been mock drafts that had both Kyle Hamilton and Jermaine Johnson in the top 10, if they wind up with both of them without a top 10 pick, it's going to be like, uh, 
of course. Yeah. So that would be, <laughs> I like that guy. I, I talked to that guy at the combine. He's got an edge. I think he plays a run pretty well. He's more of a one-year guy because he was at Georgia and he transferred and then exploded at Florida State and was the ACC Defensive Player of the Year. But I thought he is more of a traits guy a little bit. He had like one year of production and he has good traits. But I like his, I think he has like a, he has an edge. Was he the one who, nice guy, but. was he the one who said he wanted, like he, Miles Garrett was his favorite edge yeah. rusher in the NFL he when he and I were going around asking all those yep. that question? <laughs> I could see them taking a Jabo. That feels like a Ravens pick. And they hit on a Big Ten edge rusher late last year with the Dope really, Owe. He was really yeah. raw. And there were a and lot of questions. Odofe Owe is Ojabo's. Actually, that's why Ojabo started playing football. Um, they oh, were real? high school basketball teammates at that boarding school in New Jersey. Owe made the transition to football. And Ojabo was like, that looks fun. I think I could do that too. So <laughs> wow. It would be kind of like a full circle, kind of awesome story for whatever beat writer who covers the Ravens gets to write that. But what, kind of what, would be a crazy coincidence if they went that way. What if they just take Malik Willis? And they start running three quarterback sets with Lamar Jackson, Tyler Huntley, and Malik Willis. It's going to happen someday. Just in our back, lifetime. Back passes and pitches. and Why not? <laughs> we, we did a, a Buckeye talk that has not been released yet on a 1930 Ohio State-Michigan game that was in the Michigan archives. And we rewatched the game nice. and then oh, we wow. did it. And they're like handed off and that guy who took the handoffs throwing a pass like all the time. And it's like, why don't they do that anymore? None, none, nothing else they did made sense. It's a bunch of leather helmets and guys just slamming into each other. But that part of it is like, I'm this quarterback. Sometimes every now and then I throw it. Sometimes I hand it to this guy and then he throws it. And it's not a trick play. It's just offense. So Dan, you've we're on the edge. Dan, this is the last three minutes before the football revolution. Malik Willis and Lamar Jackson together it's in good. Baltimore. This could happen. I um we, we got to do that on Orange and Brown talk too. We got to rewatch like an Otto Graham game. I, I watched like a half of a championship game once, and I'm like, yeah, Otto Graham was pretty good. <laughs> what was Otto Graham? Would Otto Graham is Otto Graham today better than Baker Mayfield? Yeah, <laughs> I have that debate. I uh, maybe now people are mad. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm not. It's not a shot at anybody. But um. But this is, I mean, it's one of those things, and, and you would like to see the Browns get to this point, and it's not going to happen in the first round because they aren't going to have first-round picks for the next two years. But it does feel like when you're a good team, sometimes the draft just falls to you like year after year. But you know what? The way it fell to the Browns last year, that you didn't know if Greg Newton, there was like four good corners and three went, and is Newsom going to get there? And he did, and it worked. And then J-O-K, okay, he gets, the, you know? That fell to the Browns, and then Andrew Barry did something about it. But sometimes once you get good at this, maybe you don't have super early picks, but you're able to pounce when you don't have desperation and anybody good can help you. You can catch the guys who fall while everybody else is leaping on runs, is leaping for quarterbacks, is doing desperate, weird things. And the more stable you get, the better you're able to do in the draft because you're chill about it. Well, and so, I think a big piece of it is like, you know, you know what you're looking for, you know, how it fits, you know, how you're going to coach it. And the Browns have never had that. But like when the Ravens take Kyle Hamilton, who's like you said, Doug didn't test well, maybe that scares some people off. The Ravens don't care. They know exactly what they look what they want at that mm -hmm. position and exactly how they're going to coach him and deploy him. 
and everything they're going to do with him. And the Browns, now that they have some stability, they know how they can see how these guys look on the field for them before they ever step foot on the field. And, and that's yeah. what that, that stability does. That's why the Steelers just have these positions that they're really good at drafting. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, 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 I could see the Browns getting to that point. It, we just might, we might not be able to see it in the first round for a couple of years, but this is <laughs> Andrew Barry's going to have to turn the second round into the first round. Cause like last year, say they didn't have a first round pick last year, but they got JOK. It'd be like, well, a lot of people thought he was a first rounder. He's the talent of a first rounder. It's like he had a first rounder. Maybe, maybe that's how it'll fall this year, that there'll be a guy that, man, everybody had him mocked in the twenties and the Browns get him at 44 and it lessens the impact of we traded our first round pick for Deshaun Watson. I mean, I'll, I'll tell you where this is going. They're going to take Travis Jones at 44 because we've spent a week on the podcast saying, I'm just talking about why Travis Jones fits. Yeah. That doesn't make sense. And they'll, they'll totally do it. And then that yeah, guy in the chat's going to be like, ah, oh, you guys don't know football. Travis well, Jones is awesome. We'll be like, I, I say that because uh, Guitar Chic in the chat says uh, the Browns need a dominant nose tackle to free up miles. I do agree. They need, they need someone who can rush Some the passer in the middle. But that's why Logan Absolutely. Hall, Logan Hall, I think becomes more intriguing if you're going to go that route. Yeah. I, I honestly, if they took Travis Jones, I've, as much as the three four four three four three thing is a little antiquated, I would almost look at what they've done this offseason and wonder if Joe Woods is maybe going back to because he's kind of a three four coach. Mm. If he's going back to maybe a more of a three man versatile look with Chase Winovich kind of being able to do a couple. I mean, he can kind of play standing up a little. He's a little bit of a hybrid. Um, I, I don't know. I'd, I'd, I'd be curious about that if they took Tyler that, Linderbaum yeah. to the Ravens. Okay. 15 year center. Make his Hall of Flame fame plaque right now. I wondered if so the, Ravens, the Ravens make the pick to spite the Bengals. See, this is this is one of those things where I wish I would have said this because I kind of I, I was looking at the available prospects and I'm like, yeah, hey, they could take a, an offensive lineman, they could take a center. So and they just keep him away from the Bengals. True. So now JC Treader is gonna go to Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah. So they had uh they had Marshall Yanda on the interior of that offensive line from Iowa for 13 years in Baltimore. And then he retired before last season. And now they just got Tyler Linderbaum and he's from Iowa. They'll put him in there for 13 years. <laughs> the just continues. forget about it. He'll block everybody. It'll be fine. Yeah. And um, then that's a good offensive line when they're healthy, which they just like every other position on their team, they were not last year. Well, Pickens lives. Okay. So he lives of... to the end of to the end of the podcast. That's uh right. So as, as we're recording this, uh, whenever you listen to this, we did this in real time. Malik Willis not off the board. Um, we're gonna wrap up our live stream here. Uh, if you happen to heard the, hear this on a podcast, we appreciate you listening. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast. Make sure you're a football insider subscriber, YouTubers out there listening, uh, podcast listeners out there listening, go to cleveland.com slash browns, click the blue banner at the top of the page and get signed up, become an insider. Um, all right, Doug and Ashley later, even though the podcast listeners are probably going to hear it earlier, uh, we're going to talk about what we think the Browns should do at number 44. So I will talk to both of you later. And of course, thanks to Mary Kay Cabot, who was with us earlier and logged off to write her Malik Willis story that became a Kenny Pickett story. (laughs) All right, that'll do it. Thanks for watching and listening, everyone.